Welcome to Same Old City, an independent York City fans podcast. My name's Simon Craft, and who is with me? As always, it's Ben Aspinall. Well, how the Mikey have fallen. Mikey Morton's been sacked. Mikey is no Morton, the manager. Jesus. Look on my works, you Mikey, and despair. We've got some more... <laughs> I mean, that's just the same as the first one. That doesn't really make sense either, does it? N- not really. Yeah. I wanted to make the episode title Morton Hears a Boo, but then you thought people might not get Doctor's Use references if they don't have children. Yeah. So, yeah, that would have been lost on me, that one, if I'm being really honest. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, what, what we're talking about is that Michael Morton um, was relieved of his duties uh, six games into the season uh, after the 3-1 home defeat against Rochdale. So we're going to look at that in a bit more depth after discussing the two games that happened at the weekend. I thought we could just get our sort of snap reactions to it, first of all. So how did you feel, you know, about an hour after the game ended on Monday when you saw that corner flag image pop up in your timeline? Um, obviously, we don't want to celebrate a man losing his job too much, but what was your sort of immediate reaction? Well, I did think it was an inevitable uh, decision by the board, by by Ugla. I did wonder if Mikey would have been too proud to resign. They've made it sound like it was kind of a mutual decision, but in the end, the club kind of said, this is kind of the direction where we want to go in, and it's easier for everyone if you kind of agree to it. They obviously did the thing that they've they kind of offered him something in-house uh, to assist possibly the next manager or something, some sort of coaching role, maybe. Uh, and then sign, uh, reading uh, Morton's own statement from uh, Wednesday morning, I kind of got the impression that he's likely to turn that particular offer down. Um, that's that's the impression I got from it. I felt it was inevitable based on these six games so far. The, the rising uh, vitriolic tide against Michael maybe was being a little bit too harsh, but I don't think he had many, if any, staunch Yoxie's portals on side at this point. I'm very, I'm very sad to say. And it's only six games. There's a massive opportunity now to um, rekindle our season, to find the right man and move forwards. Um, I think the players were there. I think we're going to come on to the staffing uh, matter, but I think the staffing's starting to get there as well. And uh, we'll have to see. So what was your reaction, Si? Well, firstly, I'm just interested that you say you felt it was inevitable. I've just got this little clip from last week's podcast. Um, Let me just try and play this. Ogler and obviously by extension is his mother support Matt Morton I want to give him the, the most um, most time as possible the biggest opportunity you know that that, that time can allow it won't go on forever but um, changing after the August bank holiday I, 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 I personally just can't see it happening no matter what the results not my words the words of uh, Ben Aspinall there can't see it <laughs> happening after the bank holiday so well let's just make this very clear that was that was very obviously, some AI-generated audio. Um, you've clearly sampled my voice in the past, and then, then you know, augmented it with a, with some sort of script. No, um, I did. I did say that last week. I think the quality of display for parts of the Dorking match, and then for most of the Rochdale match, may have hastened things somewhat. It was um, just really, really bad. <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, not to put you on the spot there or anything, although. That's exactly what I was doing. But no, I, I agree. It did feel inevitable. I think during the Rochdale game, when the Morton out chance started, 
Um, you sort of got the sense that this was the time when yes. the groundswell yes. of opinion was happening. There have been a lot of calls for him to go, even after Kidderminster, you know, two games in, which would have felt early when there's been so much upheaval. But it felt like, and especially when he didn't come over to, you know, applaud the fans at the end, it felt like maybe he knew the writing was on the wall. And also in his post-match interview, it, it sort of sounded like, you know, he was resigned to that. But yeah, we'll we'll discuss that in a bit more depth later and sort of look back on his time at York as a whole and obviously look at who the potential candidates are um, to take over as, as new manager because there's some interesting names been bandied about. So yeah, we'll look at that. Uh, we'll look forward to the Ebbsfleet game uh, this weekend. Um, and for the retro section this week, because there is quite a lot to talk about in current events, we're going to try and keep that short and snappy. We're going to do a little uh, quiz uh, based on based on retro stuff, but it should hopefully uh, be a bit of fun. Mm-hmm. But yeah, to start with then, um, Saturday, um, docking away. I'm not going to play the... Uh, the aha clip because everyone's <laughs> doing that now. You know, it's uh, it's a bit passe now that the the main club accounts tweeted it, isn't it? Yeah, it's been done. Yeah, I mean, admittedly, it had been done several times before we did it as well. <laughs> but but yeah, you made the um, you made the journey. Well, you, I guess you weren't travelling south because you'd gone down to Kent, hadn't you? And then you'd gone yeah west. Uh, that's right. Yeah, I was in Kent on in law duties, uh, and I provided that voice note for last week's show. Um, outside the Man of Kent pub in Rochester. Um, I did enjoy that. I feel like you should, should any further voice notes be required, you should have to go back down there to to record them. (laughs) Hopefully the same reggae act will be performing in the background. I will get in touch with them um, directly um, if this this is required. When 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 a New York City manager is announced at nine o'clock tomorrow morning before the show goes out, I'll make a point of booking a train to uh, to Rochester just to make sure I can do that. Side, not a problem. Please do. But I do want to say I do want to say um, for getting to Dorking due to the rail strikes that were on Saturday. I just want to very quickly say, if it's okay, um, a massive, massive thank you to uh, to Matt Duckworth who um, kindly gave my wife and I a lift from uh, from Rochester to uh, to Dorking and back into South London so we could get a a train into London for our, for the rest of our weekend. It was greatly appreciated. It was above and beyond. I'm very, very grateful. And I know Matt listens, so I just want to say a massive thank you to him if that if that was uh, if that's permissible. Yeah, that's certainly permissible. It's great to hear that you uh, you managed to make it with some help. So what was your sort of assessment of, of the Dorking game then? Um, mm-hmm. if, if we look at it sort of from the start, we were playing 3-5-2 again. Mm-hmm. In terms of the team, there was um, two of the new signings going straight into the starting lineup, which was a bit of a surprise. Yeah, I was surprised by that too. I was happy to see it, but I was surprised by it. So one of them was Dan Batty, who I don't think had played for several months um, Mm -hmm. and had only been announced a couple of days before. So to go straight in was a bit unexpected. Um, And the other one, Jack Stott, who was the one that got away in terms of your voice note because he was announced after after that was (laughs) recorded. Young lad on loan from Middlesbrough, quite decent potential. But um, I think this was his first sort of senior appearance mm. uh in pro football so again maybe a bit of a surprise for him to go straight in was that how you felt seeing the team sheet yeah i was also surprised it was them two plus dyson um because it's not it wasn't quite clear if if one of those two um new signings were more defensively minded because obviously one of them uh replaced um you know uh padding lineup didn't they so 
it was hard to gauge. Obviously, with um, Castro dropping to the bench, kind of went okay. Well, one of us attacking, one of us defensive. But it was, um, I think, they were both kind of you know, not so much box to box, but you know, uh, busy midfielders trying to get in, you know, in and amongst it, etc., to allow Dyson to try and um, have more of a free role. Maybe kind of him tactically replacing Castro. That's certainly how I interpreted the first half. Yeah. So to sort of run through the key events in the game, I wasn't really following it live because I was in Dolby Forest with my family with no phone signal, basically. Um, caught a bit of the second half on the radio, but not enough to get a, a clear sense of what happened. Um, but I have gone through and watched the highlights. Um, and the first thing that <clears throat> seemed to be, um, you know, a key event was was a penalty appeal after a, a handball. Um, mm. How did you see that one? No, it was, it was too weak for me, that one. I think too many of us have been watching uh, weak decisions on on Sky Television for the bigger games with VAR, etc. I I didn't think that particular instance was anything more than um, ricochet in a box and hand close to the body. I, I wasn't, you know, obviously at the match you're going to speculate to accumulate and, and shout for everything, but um, watch with hindsight and watching the highlights, it's not something that stuck in mind too much. Uh, that's interesting because watching it, I thought sort of a, a bit surprising that it wasn't given. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I mean, it was <clears throat> hit from fairly close range. Don't think you could say it was intentional necessarily. It wouldn't have. It might have been given to the opposition on uh, on Monday, but we'll come to that one then, shall yeah, we? Yeah, we'll we'll talk about that when the when the time comes. <laughs> but yeah, wasn't that many minutes played before uh, Dawkins took the lead? Um, I think yeah. that was what about a quarter of an hour in. Yeah, I mean, the problem I had with it was. It was kind of like a you know a ricochet in a box, and it was just talking, reacting quick and with more determination. You know, to get to those knockdowns and to get to those second balls, quite an easy finish for the lad. It's not an open goal per se, but you know, rather straightforward finish. Uh, and it's just, I, I genuinely thought like for the most most of that first half, some of the football we're playing was just so turgid and just wasn't doing anything with it. And maybe that's because. We're still getting used to a three-five-two. Maybe we're still getting used to um, the two midfield players trying to hold everything together. We've obviously only joined the club on Wednesday and Thursday the week, the, you know, the week prior. But it just felt really, really languid. And um, there was a bit that we had two decent, two decent opportunities, which I'm sure you come on to with um, John Lewis putting wide, and there's that uh, near post header from Dyson, which goes wide after some good pressure from the defender. Maybe he might might be able to do better there if you. If you um, being overly critical of him. I think it but got in terms deflection. of actual play, um, it... it was all dorking and it was really, really frustrating. Yeah, I mean, watching the highlights back, um, it was sort of even in terms of the number of chances they showed, but it there wasn't any real fluency to the play. The couple of mm-hmm. chances we had, we seemed to get from basically punts upfield. Mm-hmm. Um, there was one from from Crooks, which I think was basically straight from kickoff um, after we let in the goal. Um, yeah. And John Lewis shot just wide, and then yeah, there was the <clears throat> there was the cross from Maz that found Dyson fairly close in with a decent chance. But yeah, like yeah. I say, I think there was a deflection on his header because first time I saw it, I was like, oh, that's that's a pretty bad miss. But um, yeah, it seemed like the defender might have got a touch on it, mm-hmm. and they had maybe one or two decent chances, um, but but nothing that clear other than the goal, but. Yeah, I mean, you texted me a one-word review, I think, at halftime, didn't you, of the, uh, of the I performance? I did, yes. And we're not going to repeat that on air because we do want to maintain a family-friendly uh, family aspect. But yeah. um, Arthur J. Rank is uh, what's, what springs to mind. Um, yeah. 
hopefully you can get it from there but yeah it was it was just poor and it was just that the quality of the display was you mentioned the chances and that's absolutely fair enough there were one or two half chances for city but time and time again we just get seems to be getting outplayed in dangerous parts of the field and it was just so frustrating and but you know you have to be fair and you know um doffy, uh, you know doffy cap and say second half we were, we were so much better you know we really really came out came out of the change room very quickly really wanted to get at them and we got the equaliser mm-hmm. about 10 minutes into second half Callum Howe won a header and then from that Dyson played in Dippo who had a shot blocked falls to Maz so just inside the area and yep. it's a lovely little shimmy sort of drop of the shoulder and curls one into the top corner it's just a just a great finish really it really is I, I totally agree with you and um you don't get this impression from the highlights, unfortunately. But you know, Maswell's playing that left wing back position, which I wouldn't be playing him there. And maybe with what's happened now, that experiment might come to an end. But we don't know. He's, it's, you know, that phrase, his tail was up. He was like, his confidence was back, just like that, and you know, de- deservedly so. He was going after their their full back and their, def- you know, the right side of the defence, quick, you know, quickly, wanting to cause problems. And when he's in that mood, when he's got that confidence about him. That's when he makes, you know, he can make a difference in in this division for this team. He's really good to watch on um, Saturday afternoon. So we draw level, um, and then would you say we were sort of on top at this point in the second half? It's yeah, the tides turned, but I won't say on top because that makes it sound like chance of the chance, etc. It, it didn't quite have that sort of vibe, but it was very much like, you know, if you're guessing the next goal, it's going to be your because of the the, the change of tide of play. Uh, Castro come on at this point. Uh, for something of a camo appearance, but this is, this is when he had his one of his more positive impacts on the game. He does receive the ball from uh, uh, John Lewis uh, for the pass through to Akinyemi for Akinyemi to do some good footwork, create that space near the defender, and put it past the goalkeeper. So he had a really good positive impact after coming off the bench. Um, when he's got that about him as well, he, he looked. We've said this on every show we've covered him. Really, he just looks so laid back and uh, calm and wanting to show off, but in a you know in a in a in a positive manner, he wants to get the ball forward, he wants to create space, etc. And in this sort of setting, uh, this is when he, he played really, really well. Yeah, it was, seemed like a decent ball in to, to Akinyemi, um, although he still had a fair amount to do to sort of turn the defender one way and then the other. And then it was a fairly tight angle that he that he scored from. So it was another, you know, really decent goal. It was, yeah. I was a bit worried at first because uh, at the time, a lot of us in the behind the goal were saying it looked offside. Um, and then um, some friends got in touch with me on text and uh, and the tweets, et cetera, to let me know that. Looking at the replays, he he, he just managed to stay on. So um, thank goodness for that. But as I say, just to stress, the way he got the ball out of his feet, teased and then tricked the defender to create that space to play past the goalkeeper. Brilliant. Worth every penny. I think it's a bit of a basic point by myself here, but I do think I need to make it. I just want to stress, by the time the equalisers have come in for uh, for Darkin, which is, a, you know, a a decent cross and a, a pretty good header. As well as stressed, the midfield three by this point is the you know the Paddy Dyson Castro combination, which we've been a bit overly crit- critical of during the last few shows. And I did think at the time when uh, Paddy made a substitution when he came on, I did think ah, it's those three. You know, we've kind of put our eggs in one basket of hoping we've turned the tide with this new midfield, and then we're trying to see the game out with the midfield that had not quite done the job previously. Yeah, so, it's, I yeah. mean, you can see, like I said, it was maybe a surprise that Stott and Batty both started, so the fact that they yeah. were both brought yeah. off is maybe not a surprise. But exactly, they, it's true. It's very true. Have they sort of impressed you in their performances? or? 
Stott was quite busy. Um, Batty was a bit short of fitness, but you can see there's a bit of quality about him. Just want to basically see them in Noah Woodyard. That's the that's the dream. So yeah, the midfield's changed a bit. We had a couple more chances. Dippo hit a header against the post. It was given offside. Yes, um, he was offside for that one. He was definitely offside there for that. John Lewis had a volley yeah. that went over. Yeah, and that on the contrary looked much closer than it did on the highlights. That that wasn't too far away, if I'm honest. Keeper was beating all ends up, and um, a lot of people are critical about uh, the shops. Ability to, you know, his, his shooting boots, he can sometimes scuff them and make silly little errors with his shooting. But he hit that one quite sweet and he was very unlucky not to score a worldie there. Yeah, I mean, we'll come on to his sort of main contribution to the game uh, a bit later. Oh, yes, that old thing. Um, but yeah, Dawkins also had a couple of chances. Uh, Whitley made a double save from Pryor. Uh, I mean, we yes, hadn't that's really right, yeah. talked about that it was Whitley in goal. Um, <clears throat> obviously, with Stockdale being injured. Uh, we'd signed Rory Watson, but it is Whitley who got the nod. And yeah, made a couple of decent saves, but unfortunately not when it came to the 85th minute when uh, Bowerman puts a cross in for Dawkin and then Pryor got sort of in between Corder and Howe and directed a really strong header, which yeah. Whitley did get a hand to, but he just sort of palmed it into the top corner um, and it's two all. So um, what did you make of that goal? Well, I don't want to say like the thing, oh, it'd been coming, because I don't think it had been coming. Both teams were pushing for another goal, you know, them to equalise us to put that out of sight. So it was just depending who was going to, you know, it was brinksmanship, who was going to, who was going to blink first. And, you know, unfortunately it, it was, it was York. I think possibly the two centre-halves could have done a little bit better. I've waxed lyrical about, um, about how haven't I at the start of this season. But I do think, you know, it's kind of his man that he beat, that, you know, that beats him. So, uh but um, I do want to just very quickly after that, we probably could, maybe should have conceded again in injury time. There's a, a cross that comes across the area and Calder does really good. It shows some fantastic awareness to hook the cross away. And you really thought that that was going to be the one, you know, them going to, they were going to steal the three points. And then it goes to the other end. And um, Maz, um, you know, floats the header across uh, to um, John Lewis, who has a great chance to plant a strong header into the back of the net. And a defender hooks it off the line. So it's just absolutely crazy end to the game yeah i think they were they were appealing for handball again with that one but you couldn't really see from the video whether it was uh it was that kind of you know it's stoppage time you just concede an equalizer <laughs> that's when the handball shouts start coming out for anything really isn't it but um yeah but yeah then a few minutes into injury time um john lewis has got the ball sort of loses control of it he's following it up and his foot basically rolls over the ball onto Bowman's yep. leg mm-hmm. and he's sent off straight red. Um, mm-hmm. Obvious question, did you think it was a red in the ground? Yes. Yes, I did. Um, I thought it was red at the time. The reaction of the of everyone uh, from their players to our players to the supporters wasn't good. I worried straight away. The player looked pretty, you know, pretty seriously injured. Um, so I don't know, I don't know if you felt any real effects afterwards etc but no it, it did look pretty bad um immediately on social media i did see um some phone footage from like right in front of where it happened in the in the home end it's, it goes over the ball um it, it, i don't think he's deliberately gone into hurt anyone but he has gone over the ball studs into the you know above the ankle etc if that happens one of our players will be baying for blood i think that's a red card all day long i think it was a foolish Mistake from a, a tired striker who had gone down with cramp, you know, a few times before that happened. Unfortunately, we ran out of subs, so, you know, he couldn't be replaced. 
he had gone down for treatment once or twice. Um, he's just shattered, wasn't he? He's yeah, there. I think it was a legitimate attempt to play the ball. But mm -hmm. unfortunately, the way his foot rolled and the place that Bowman's leg was just meant that mm -hmm. it ended up looking like a worse challenge than it was intended to be. But I guess, you know, if that yeah. happens, maybe by the by the letter of the law, that's a red. And yeah, and that was about the the last main action. So in terms of reaction to the game, um, just uh, take a look at our Twitter. We had a few responses of, of people's thoughts on that. Dave Olson said, signs of improvement for sure. It's a mistake to be focused solely on the outcome of games. That said, we do have to pick up a win or two fairly soon. Otherwise, we'll be in danger of being cut adrift in the relegation zone. Uh, Rock and Roll Nobody said, Batty looked great. Maybe a really great signing when fit. Stott looked mm -hmm. a little lightweight for National League, but again, shows good potential. Tactics and formation looked different again, so hard to see how a team can gel when it's a mm -hmm. different team and set up every game. And then J849, um, slightly different view. Until an actual football manager is appointed, then nothing will change. It isn't the players. Mm -hmm. We are a rudderless ship. So this game seemed to sort of split opinion more than there were people saying, you know, all right, we still haven't got the win, but the second half was maybe the best performance of the season. Seems mm -hmm. like maybe we're finally approaching a bit of fluency. Martin was quite positive in his post-match interview. He, he said it was two points dropped. Although I did actually watch um, Mark White's interview, who also said he felt it was two points dropped for docking. So <laughs> probably well, means that was, it's, uh, But that's fair because of the way that both sides were trying to win it, you know, in the final 10 minutes of the game or what have you. you know, both sides weren't stopping and holding on for the draw. Maybe after the red card, you know, that kind of killed the game for us. But before then, both sides had chances. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it probably means that the um, the draw was a fair result in the end. Yes. If both teams are going away sort of feeling hard done by. But yeah, moving on to, to Monday, we, we're back at the LNER uh, playing Rochdale. So <clears throat> I guess the main question before that is who's going to replace John Lewis up front, uh, mm -hmm. given that um, Cedric Main's been sent back to Blythe on loan. We haven't really got any other natural strikers in the squad i mean i did tweet a picture of ethan henderson asking whether it was his time to step up but uh, sadly <laughs> we were we were denied that that pleasure and then as it turned out we went back to the 433 so it's another sort mm -hmm. of change of system um is yeah, yeah. the one who comes in for john lewis as, as one of the wide players in a three and maz sort of on the other side so maz not mm -hmm. playing wing back anymore playing in more of his natural role um, yeah so it felt more like people in the natural positions but at the same time the 4-3-3 which had maybe left us very open the, the few times we played it particularly thinking about altering them yeah um i straight away i thought of um during that first say first third first half of the first half i just could see i was just altering them all over again the way rochdale um they were very progressive for their passing quite tidy with the ball playing quite safe but probing probing in a way that we can only dream of at the moment I was very, very impressed with how they started the game. Yeah, I agree. It was it was quite similar um, to the Altrium game, just in the sense of they were having a lot more of the ball and I just kept thinking, how are they playing it through our midfield and defence so easily? Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> I mean, the first quarter of an hour or so seemed fairly even. We, we looked sort of reasonably dangerous when we had the ball, but we didn't have it that often. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, they, they were just popping up 
time and time again, playing passes through and yeah, just they just seem to sort of be walking through our defence at times. I mean, there was a decent shot fairly early on when Batty lost the ball and um, I think it was East had a shot tipped over by Whitley. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, we were just behind it. I didn't actually see Whitley get a touch, but a corner was given. So um, I think it was going over anyway. Then there was um, another handball shout, not to keep going on about handball appeals, <laughs> but um, there's one from a shot from Dyson, which again, we were appealing. But from what I could see of the Dyson one, I think the defender's body was, I'm sorry, I'm a big fan of the defender's arm was in with the body. So it hit his, probably hit his arm, but the arm was in front of his body, you know, tightly close to him. So I'm not sure how that could have. It was a natural position if we were. Yeah, natural position, very close. I mean, just not, everyone shouts it. It's it's almost pointless and redundant because you're not going to get it, but you know, that's football. Sort of a, are, we go- are we going to talk about the Kuya foul? Yeah, that was what I wanted to come on to. Yes. Was, um, Let's get on to this. This is brilliant. So Maz wins the ball back, sort of fairly <laughs> deep in our own half, goes on a decent, you know, charge and run, shrugs off the defender. There's not really anyone else pressuring him, but he basically runs most of the length of the pitch. And then just he does, as well. he's... He does really, really well to get as far as he does. But yeah, gets towards their box and mm-hmm. the player who he had sort of been, been tracking him the whole time. Um, gives away fairly clear foul, and um, uh-huh. you know that the Rochdale defenders stop playing as you do after a clear foul has happened, um, and then everybody realizes that the referee hasn't actually given it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. First rule of football, or first law of football, there, Sai. You uh, you play to the whistle. You can see watching it back, Dippo's got his head in his hands. <laughs> you know, saying, Dippo's what? reaction is brilliant. Like, Wait. proper, like what? What is this? How well, has this happened? I think at the time, everyone was just confused about what had happened because we saw the players stop playing. I assumed, okay, well, yeah, we haven't heard yeah. the whistle, but he must have given it. And then when he hadn't given anything, it was like, well, maybe maybe it just looked different from a distance. But no, it looked exactly the same watching the highlights back. Just a clear, I mean, not a, not a suit, you know, particularly cynical foul, but definitely a foul. Mm. I mean, yeah. I've, I've got in my notes, um, I, I don't want to speak too dramatically, but I have put... The most bizarre officiating decision I've seen at the LNER. I can't think of anything else that brings to mind. Yeah, I mean, we'll come to the decisions sort of on an individual basis, but he did generally not sort of convey his authority particularly well, I think. Um, mm-hmm. There were times when we didn't really know what, what had been given or what was happening. So Rochdale had a goal ruled out for offside, looked sort mm-hmm. of borderline. Um, couldn't really we, we tell. Saw, we saw that at the time, didn't we, sign in the South Stand? I kind of thought that looked legit to me. Um, well, I look thought, at the highlights, it's a bit difficult to kind of gauge properly. But mm. I initially thought when I was in the ground that, so basically their player sort of runs through, lays it across to to his colleague who taps it in. And I thought it was that final pass that had been given as offside, whereas I think he's behind him. So mm-hmm. he couldn't have been offside. But actually, I think it's the, the pass before that that was given offside. Just watching mm-hmm. it back, and that one—I mean, you can't tell based on the angle, but it looked no, pretty no. close either way. Um, but yeah, that one's ruled out. They have another chance not long after, where uh, it's Gilmore for Rochdale, basically just makes a run on the left of our oh. defence. Is that where Batsy just lets him go and just points and says, "Yeah, chase just says who's and chasing him, and nobody man. does." <laughs> and then it just looks like sort of comical kind of thing you see at six aside where. Mm. someone makes a run and just nobody goes with him um, mm-hmm. and then he's through through on goal and luckily Whitley 
you know, is able to tip his shot onto the post and it puts it behind yeah. for a corner. I think uh, it's a good near post save. I think uh, bread and butter for Whitley. I think he's um, a, a good, if not very good, shot stopper for this for this division. Unfortunately, from the corner, um, gets swung in mm -hmm. and sort of goes over most of the players in the box, but then uh, Callum Howe sort of leans into their player who's running in um, mm -hmm. and the ref points straight to the spot. And our players were sort of furious at this decision. You know, Cordner got a booking for dissent and the yeah. crowd were pretty annoyed too. But how did you see that one? Uh, I thought it was a penalty. My opening impression of it when I saw it live from the south stand was um, Howard gone in with his shoulder into the back of the defend in, into the attacker. No attempt to play the ball. Um, had it been shoulder to shoulder, maybe you can do that. You know, argument about you know a fair challenge. But no, I, I thought this was. Um, I, thought, I really think it was clear as day. I thought it was completely foolish defending by um, Arcal. Yeah, I mean, the way I saw it was, I think it's probably the kind of thing that happens all the time from corners in amongst mm -hmm. the sort of melee. But the fact that they were isolated by themselves and it was just happening right in front of the ref and it wasn't part of a, a bigger tangle of bodies just made it really easy one to give. I think it was, you know, it was maybe slightly soft, but, you know, technically that probably is a foul. He wasn't, you know, he was impeding the player. It wasn't a fair challenge. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think it probably is a, a legitimate pen. Um, and it was a cracking penalty by Sinclair as well. Yeah, Sinclair steps up, sends Whitley the wrong way, so it's top right corner. I uh, don't think he would have saved it even if he'd gone the right way. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, they're Rochdale 1-0 up. Then the, the half sort of um, continues in the same vein. Uh, I mean, the goal came, what, about 10 minutes before half time? Yeah, but there's some strange things that I kind of want to refer to, actually. There's um Featherfield shot, which I think is a penalty. When it so hits that's the, another um, handball appeal, is it? That's the handball appeal where um, it hits the, the defender's gone to ground, but his arms are out, and the ball does hit his arm quite clearly. And there is quite a passionate, you know, and loud um, appeal for the penalty. Um, it's not great on the on the official highlights angle. It's not great, but there is some footage out there of you know camera footage of it. It's pretty conclusive. It's um, it's a very strange one um, to be honest with you. I, I I think this one was a penalty. Yeah. Um... But moving on from that, the fourth official gave, I think, was it six minutes initially were given of time added on? But we and were then well... it was the Maz injury, was, uh, Maz injury wasn't there, which from uh, which led to Depot's free kick. So, yeah, yeah, that was like another five minutes. I think we were about eight or nine minutes at least into the time added on when this happened. Um, mm -hmm. So there's a free kick given for a push on Maz, which I thought was questionable. It's a good 30, 35 yards out, but Depot's sort of shaping to, to shoot from it. Um, and then, yeah, he nearly scores, basically. It's a, it's really well struck, um, <clears throat> tipped over by their keeper for a corner. So then from the resulting corner, um, which I think was taken by Batty, Crooks basically outjumps their defenders and it sends a looping header into the far corner and it's one all. Not necessarily deserved, but we weren't going to complain at, at going in level. Mm -hmm. It was a lovely looping header, wasn't it? Aesthetically very pleasing, I thought. Just nice to see us actually scoring a goal from a corner uh, again, mm -hmm. because it hasn't really happened of late. Um, but yeah, so <clears throat> it's one all at half time. They'd been the better team, but maybe something to build on. Mm -hmm. 
I actually thought we started the second half all right and we were we were pressing them quite a bit more, putting them under more mm-hmm. pressure. Batty had gone off uh, to be replaced by Paddy. There was sort of a few groans when, when Paddy ran out for the second half. Don't know whether mm-hmm. that was injury or just the fact he was on yellow or what. I think it was a bit of both, was it the yellow? Because um, it's quite amusing. He got a yellow as well um, early-ish at Dorking, I think. So it's kind of like, oh, two games in. So York City Korean, two yellow cards, so... Yeah. Yes, he's got that. He's got. He's got that dog in him. Yeah. Well, if he's got the the surname Batty, then you would expect his disciplinary. It's a great point. Yeah, it's a very good point. Yeah. But yeah, not long into the second half, Crooks isn't tracking his runner. Is the way I saw it, and mm. gets beaten, and then brings the player down in the box for a penalty. It was hard to see exactly what contact is made, both yeah. at the time and watching it back. But assuming yeah, there the, was any contact, the camera angle the camera angle's not great, is on the highlights, but it kinda you kinda get blocked by someone else, something else in the play. So it's really hard to gauge whether Crooks clips the ankle on the run through. Yeah, I think that there definitely seems to be contact. So it's a penalty again. Um and Crooks gets a straight red, so it's you know, it's our second red in successive games, third of the season, I think. Did you think it was a red? Yes, I did, annoyingly. I mean, but that's the issue. It's a red if the ankles are clipped by crooks, and if they were, you know, if it was not, then it's you know, it's a it's a dive. It's a it's a you know, the momentum's took the player over, etc. He's not he's not attempting to play the ball, has he? Um, so therefore, I think that's where the double jeopardy thing comes into play, isn't it? If it's an attempt to play the ball, so yeah, clip the ankles, then that you know, I think I believe by letter of the law that is a red, but unfortunately difficult to see from the hour angle in the south stand at the time and the camera footage um you know after the fact is uh, is, is isn't great unfortunately just um, by a bit of bad luck so i i can't say for definite if i think it's a, a red based on on what i've seen as opposed to what i think i've seen yeah but yeah we're down to 10 men and the penalty this time it's sinclair again but he goes top left whitley does get a hand to it but can't mm-hmm. keep it out again because it's struck pretty well and all of a sudden we're two on down, we're a man down. Mm-hmm. That's when the atmosphere sort of started to turn even more sour, I think. Yeah, yeah it did. We brought Lati Fairweather on for stopped after that. And weirdly, I felt like we actually improved when we had 10 men, or at least we, we were creating more chances. I don't know what your explanation for that is. I felt like maybe the system that Morton had tried to instill in them maybe just went out the window and they were just <laughs> playing on instinct and that was actually better bit of schoolyard prison rules so whatever everybody needs now and again I did think they started to play better with 10 men as well kind of going flat 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 four four one kind of formation with um uh, Spitzer and Kuya kind of on the wings trying to make things happen um it was very open um obviously um, Matty Fairweather is kind of a very off, you know, offensive uh, left-sided defender, whether it's a left wing back or left back. Yeah, so it, it was kind another... of, it did leave us open, but it did mean that we're also going for it. It was another of his more positive performances. Um, mm. He was really getting involved with sort of overlaps and attacking moves, and yeah, looked quite bright. Uh, we had I think a chance. The, the best shout is probably uh, with, with how forcing that uh, that that save from from the, the Rochdale keeper with um, the cross. Yeah, it's it's a, a, uh, the Dale keep having his hands, you know, that, that save, get the closest goals so quickly and, you know, so strongly. It's a really good save. 
Yeah, so the cross comes in from Fowler Field and Howe jumps really well and, you know, he does direct it right to the corner. So I think you have to give credit to the save. I mean, that's Absolutely. one thing. Howe has made a couple of mistakes in his first few games, but he does look very dominant in the air. Um, mm-hmm. Looks like he's going to basically be the target at every corner that we have. But yeah, so that's a good save. Sinclair had a chance for the hat trick. He had a low shot saved by Whitley at pretty close range. Yeah, he should have better, shouldn't he? With all that good play before the before the opportunity, I think he was uh, he wasted that one. Yeah, um, and then towards the end, Dippo hits the bar not once but twice. Um, yeah, first one from a from a cross by Maz, where the keeper gets a fingertip to it to touch it onto the bar, and then another one where he probably should score. To be fair, you know the ball. Yeah, I think he should. We all love him, and he's been, you know, he's been the one ray of sun, you know, sunshine in this rather horrific start to the season. But he should, he should be burying that, and you could say it meant, you know, you could see he had his head in hand, and he he looked distraught that he'd done it. You know, he clearly gives a damn. So, um, you know, I'm not reading too much into it. It's just um, a bad day in the office. Yeah, well, he can't score every chance he gets. Um, but yeah, I mean that that was one question I was asking myself as the game went on how can a player look so good in a team that looks so bad <laughs> um, you know there's there's no question marks about his quality so we hit the bar twice Kai Kennedy came on um, and he looked quite promising he went on a couple of little jinking runs and had a couple yeah, of shots I like, I like the look of him he looked very direct didn't he he had a, a decent strike at the goalkeeper admittedly straight on the keeper's throat but he you know shimmy and shimmy he wanted to create that space to get the shot away very very direct very positive so really looking forward to seeing more of him yeah, absolutely. I think he, he seemed to offer a bit more than Siziba had mm-hmm. um, in the game earlier. Siziba had a bit of an iffy game, if I'm honest. That's my my opinion. Um, same as well, um, calling back to the older shots, uh, wing-back appearance uh, the other week. He didn't quite look out, quite out for that role, which I know is not his natural one. But even with the uh, as a winger in a 4-3-3, I was a little bit... I, I found his um, performance a little bit wanting today. Like, yeah, I think it's maybe a bit harsh to judge him on the basis of being put in several different positions when true, you know, very he, true. How old is he? Nineteen, twenty, maybe. He's not played a lot of football at this level. Looked good mm-hmm. in pre-season at times. Hasn't maybe kicked on in in mm-hmm. the season itself. But like I say, he has hasn't been given a natural position. And I think I'd maybe like to see him more as an impact sub or something like that. And and then, yeah, the last action of the game, um, pretty much, is when uh, Paddy come in for a lot of stick, but he lays on the assist for a... Um, <laughs> for a no, so so it, it's quite unfortunate watching it back. It, it bounces it towards is, yeah. him, and he basically controls it with his thigh or whatever, but it, it plays their player straight through. Ryan Whitley's running out, and it's, a, it's just a little lob over him to make yeah. it 3-1. Rotten luck for Paddy, and you know he's had his critics uh, this season. I, th- I do think maybe we're all being a little bit OTT with our criticism of him. But you know, if you do have a wicked or a morbid sense of humour, you know, him getting the uh, the third, no, getting the assist for the third for Rochdale, which is um, sickly amusing. Yeah, I mean, it was one of those where I think you were saying, obviously, you never want your team to lose, mm-hmm. but. When it feels like a manager's time is about to be up, and that's sort of what everyone's expecting or wanting, 
Mm-hmm. But then if they get a draw, it might buy a bit more time and just delays the inevitable. Mm-hmm. Like I say, it's not that you're wanting that to happen, but maybe it's sort of for the best for everyone if there's some finality to it. Yeah. Just like take an old yellow around the back of the barn with a shotgun, just um, it's time to go. <laughs> but yeah, full time City 1, Rochdale 3. So it's no wins in six, three points from possible 18. There's lots of anti-Martin chants after the final whistle. Yeah. And I, I tweeted immediately after the game that when you, well, I think it was actually during the end of the game, when you lose the, uh, when you lose the South Stand, when the South Stand are openly and collectively calling for you to go, you don't recover. It's a question of time at that point. Yeah. And it wasn't very much time at all, was it? It was when the, News went out um, that he's gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the club obviously put out a statement. It was quite sort of warm, positive towards Morton, mentioning yeah. that he'd been offered another role internally. Mm-hmm. So the fact that that was done suggests that this had been maybe planned for a while. Perhaps. Yeah, perhaps. I mean, just in terms of of the sacking... Do you think there's any arguments in favour of sticking with him for longer? There may have, may, ha- may have been, but just to go back to it, the obvious point, the fans had openly revolted against the regime, you know, by the close of play on on, the, on Bank Holiday Monday. It, the situation would become untenable for, for everyone concerned. So there may be an argument for maybe giving him, I don't know, I'm, I'm playing devil's advocate here, maybe one, one more game or something, but it felt like a very organic uh, conclusion. Well, you talk about playing devil's advocate, but if you look at the... Um, so our first six games, four of them were against teams we played last season. And do you know how many game, how many points we got in the corresponding fixtures last oh, season? Uh, I, I can just tell you it's zero. Oh, okay. So wow. in terms <laughs> of Wealdston away, Aldershot away, yeah, Altrincham at home and yeah, Dorking away... We lost all of them last season, and we got three draws and one defeat um, this well, season. That's so interesting. Very interesting. If you were so inclined, you could say maybe signs of progress. But I'll be honest, I'm not even convincing myself with this example. <laughs> I think um, there were there would be few voices who still had much hope of Martin turning it around after the Rochdale game. Yeah, but in terms of in terms of the manner of of how he went, how he left. Um, how do you think it was handled, and do you agree with him being offered a another role at the club, whether that, whether that's taken up or not? I, I, I suppose there's a decent coach in there. Um, I say that, but you know, he had such a great opportunity to show off, you know, his different type of coaching skills with this job, and I don't think he quite got to um, show them off and exemplify them as much as he'd want to. So I, I'm I'm not incredibly fussed either way. I guess it kind of relies on what the you know the next manager thinks. The next manager doesn't want um you know the warm corpse still in the room. Then you know it's up up to them really, isn't it? Yeah, and in terms of how it was handled by the club, Matt Ugler put a tweet out. Um, you know, again heaping praise on on Martin and saying that he was devastated to have to to do this. Yeah. Um, I mean I. <clears throat> Hate to be, hate for anyone associated with this podcast to be accused of brown nosing the ownership, but um, <laughs> I think it's been handled as well as it could possibly 
have been. I think this yeah. was the right point at which to make the call. Um, mm-hmm. Six games in, any earlier would have maybe felt premature with such a new squad, but hanging on for longer would have just not done anyone any favors. It would have the atmosphere would have got more toxic. Yeah. Um, so I yeah I think the timing was right and I think the tone has been right. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't want to uh, to big up the ownership too much and make people think that you know we're just uh, sucking up to them to to get favors or you know voice notes introducing the podcast or something like that. But uh, no, we would never do that, would we, Simon? No, absolutely not. Hi, I'm Matt and you're listening to the Same Old City podcast. Um, but no, seriously, the. The main call is is who comes next. This is the the big one for the new ownership. Obviously, spending money, bringing in players is great. <clears throat> Sticking by the man who was in charge was a decision they made. Hasn't worked out. Fine. This is the one sort of key decision. The first, I would say, really massive decision. Um, yeah. That the ownership need to make. Mm-hmm. I guess that brings us on to discussing some of the names who've been mentioned. Yeah. So there's been a few mentioned. I think they kind of fall into two categories. There's one which is basically people who are managing in our league at different clubs or have done recently. So Neil Ardley, obviously was at Solihull. Mike Williamson at Gateshead. Phil Parkinson, not that one, the other one at Altrincham. (laughs) And then there's another group of people who've sort of managed in the football league more recently and might be a bit more speculative attempts like the Cowleys or Darren Moore. I see as the strong favourite with the bookies at the moment. Yes, he is, isn't he? Yeah. You know, at recording time, um, he is, yes. Yeah, I mean, is there anyone you want to particularly look at? Is there anyone you're particularly in favour of off that from that list? Um. I would be um, ecstatic with Moore. I don't think it's going to happen. I think um, his um, pedigree is probably out of our league, um, quite literally, and also financially. But, you know, aim for the stars, quite li- quite literally again. Um, I would not be averse to Ardley. Um, he's been there and done that in this division. He knows what he wants. Two playoff runs with uh, Solly Hull. Really, really decent effort there. Um, it sounded like it just came to a bit of an organic, natural end with that project, and I can, you know, I can respect that. I can forgive that. Williamson, uh, the lad over at, at Gateshead, has got so much potential. He strikes you as that manager who's going to kind of, you know, move on into into bigger and better jobs in the football league. Obviously, we've got a bit of previous being below Gateshead and seeing the manager. So you know, that can't well. see what I can't see why why it won't happen again. To be honest with you. But I think the uh, you know the um, luxury pick would be Darren Moore. But I just can't see it. I would be comfortable with Ardley. I mean, if you look at the uh, the, the odds, like top five in top four or five, who are odds on, you, you wouldn't argue with pretty much any of them, would you? Well, there will be clear improvements on what we'd had. You would think. Yeah, I mean, Darren Moore would be a massive coup for the club. I think he's probably the biggest name, mm-hmm. as well as I imagine the biggest man on that list. Um, but yeah, he would. I mean, I don't pay enough attention to football at Championship and League One level to know exactly his sort of style of play and stuff. But he's always come across very well. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, a big character, and he's done well in basically all three jobs that he's been in. That it was a bit odd the way it ended at Wednesday. Rumours that it was about 
him wanting more money, which would suggest he's unlikely to, to drop down to our level. But, mm-hmm. you know, he's he's been linked. So if we could pull that off, then then fantastic. Um, the Cowleys are an interesting one because obviously they did so well at Lincoln and they have that pedigree of getting a team out of the National League. I'm just yeah. not sure how their style of play would fit with the kind of squad that we've built because yeah, they were obviously fair. quite direct, quite big on set pieces and things like that, which we've signed a lot of sort of tricky wingers or players who are good at, <laughs> in theory, keeping possession and things like that. Yeah, it Maybe doesn't seem a natural fit, but equally would be delighted if, if it was them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Adley sort of feels like maybe the safe bet, given that he's, he's out of work, he's not being looked at probably by clubs much higher up the pyramid. But yeah, again, he's got he's got a decent record at this level. Yeah, so. I think that's that's one, isn't it? He's he's got the the recent pedigree of this division, as opposed to the Cowleys that you mentioned there. So maybe that's something to think about. Inevitably, when the news is released tomorrow morning of of who's been appointed <laughs> just after we record, then we'll we'll see we'll take it from there. But um, so Simon, Simon, just want to write down a timestamp now, just for the uh, for the static and the voice note uh, drop in. Yeah, when you're doing the production stuff tomorrow. Will do. Thank you. Oh, hang on. I've just seen the club have announced that they've got a new manager. Oh, no, it's a new general manager. Sorry. Oh, hello. Oh, uh, which, naughty. Which Very ties naughty. nicely into, yeah. Did we want to discuss that? So Darren Kelly, yeah. ex-City player, brought in as general manager. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think everyone's reaction when first seeing that was, what is a general manager? <laughs> um, <laughs> so... I watched the video. Not necessarily any the wiser, but no, I'm not either. And I'm very, conf- I'm a little bit like mm, about people saying, "Oh, he sounded, he sounded good." But did he? He didn't answer any questions. He sounded, I mean... he sounded quite vague. Um, yeah. The thing that encouraged me is that he's got a qualification in it. He's obviously, it's obviously yes, something that he's true, not just fallen into. He is genuinely interested. I mean, initially, yeah. we know he's not got a brilliant record as a manager. So initially I was kind of like, oh, is this a good move? Mm-hmm. But then it sounds like, you know, he'd been at Newport for a while. He said he was headhunted by Hartlepool. It seems a bit mm. mysterious that he it was announced last month he was leaving Hartlepool for family reasons, and then a month later he turns up here. I wonder whether, you know, we've actually headhunted him from there or something's gone in, in that sense. I, um, I guess what's confusing about uh, the appointment of Kelly to this role is... Um, you know, we, we joke about the general manager aspect. We we do genuinely not really don't really know what the role entails. It sounds like some sort of administrative director of football sort of opportunity. Fair enough. But the other problem with that aspect is, yes, he was he's got the um the you know the masters in whatever qualification it was. Sorry, but also the experience of Newport and the experience of Hartlepool. My point is, like, how, what's the barometer? How do you measure success as? A DOFR slash a GMA. What what what's the what 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 have you what can you demonstrate? Show you know point towards. Say, oh, I did this and it helped the club reach that level. It's very very you know it's very behind closed doors, isn't it? And um, I suppose of our bad experience with uh, Mr. Dave Penny doing his sort of role previously to uh, rather um, iffy standards. I guess we were a little bit scarred. By the, you know the sheer mentioning of it, I think it's a right step forward. I think we need somebody running the club to allow you know Matt to focus on other things. I think you know I think it is a really good idea. I am in theory happy with it. 
It's just a little bit, I want to know more a little bit about it, to be honest with you. Yeah, I think I'd, I'd agree with that. I'm keeping an open mind about it. Mm-hmm. The, the Dave Penny experiment was obviously unsuccessful, but we'll see how it goes this time. Yeah. We we wish him well. All the best. I, uh, D- Darren... <laughs> Just a stress, we re- we wish Darren Kelly all the best. Yeah. Only Darren Kelly. Correct. Thank you. So looking ahead, um, just a, a little note that we've slightly tweaked the format. We, we were doing this bit at the end after the retro section previously. I think it flows more naturally here, so we're going to put it here. Yeah, so what, what there is to look ahead to this weekend is a trip down to Ebbsfleet. Is that a club you've got? A lot of time for Ben. Let's, let's move on. Uh, okay, well, well, let's let's put it a different way. Will you be tuning in to this uh, to this encounter? I um, unfortunately can't travel down. Uh, uh, you know, uh, train strikes one, aren't they, etc. And financial issues. I'll actually be back in York for this one. But oh wait, no, I won't. I've just completely dubbed myself in there. I will actually be in a foreign country. Yeah, uh, watching this on a stream. Canada. Yes, I'll probably. Yes, I will likely be uh, in Canada. Yeah. So you, yeah, so you'll be streaming it again. Not sure how I will be following along and whether we'll have a new manager in charge, I guess, is the main question. Mm-hmm. Anything else you're expecting to see? I guess it's impossible to say, isn't it? Because we don't know who's going to be in charge. Just wait till that voice note, I suppose. But I think the main thing is um, you're praying at the very least that you've got uh, a newly appointed manager sat in the stands with Kelly and uh, Matt Ugla, pondering and reflecting as uh, absolutely make it 4-0 inside the uh, first hour. I'm being very negative there for the point of humour. But I, I don't, I'm not expecting much out of this match. Um, absolutely been very iffy with their form, but, you know, they've actually won matches this season. They actually put, you know, they, they just destroyed Kidimitsu Harriers a few weeks uh, over the weekend, 3-0, a team that, you know, kind of held us at arm's length. So I really aren't expecting too much. So knowing my luck, we're going to win 2-0 now. But yeah, time to move on to our retro section. Ooh. Welcome to Question of York. Thanks for that, Ben, and thanks for also coming up with the name. Don't know how long that that one took you, but um, it was better than any of the ones I'd come up with. So, yeah, a question of York is what we're calling our retro quiz segment. So, better explain the way it's going to work. Basically, each of us are going to pick a season from City's past, which will be after the year 2000, because that's our cutoff generally. Um, not in terms of what we'll discuss on the pod, but in terms of maybe having deep enough knowledge to answer the the quiz questions. Mm-hmm. So each of us will pick a season and we will basically choose four matches from that season. One of them, uh, we will ask our opponent to name City's starting 11 from that game. With one point available for every correct guess, you can... Name someone who was on the bench, either used or unused. You won't get a point, but you also won't lose a life. And you can also lose one life. So if you guess someone is completely wrong, you can do that once. But if you do that again, you're out. 
So yeah, 11 points available from that. And then there will be three other games chosen from that season um, where you'll name the opponent and whether it was home or away. And all you have to do is remember the score. Uh, Mm -hmm. If you get it bang on, that's three points. And if you get the outcome right, so say it was a 2-1 defeat and you predict or you remember it as being a 3-0 defeat, you'll, you'll get a point for getting the right outcome. It'll make more sense as we get into it. Um, mm-hmm. And we'll make a point where we say we'll kind of do the answers a little bit slower just so you guys can uh, play along at home. Yeah, we'll try and make this section fun, given that the, the present state of the club is not especially fun. Did you want to kick things off then, Ben? Yeah, no problem. So I am happy to confirm that for um, this first round, uh, the season I've picked is a foil ball. That's right. 2009 to 2010 season. So uh, the get the four matches that I've picked, we're going to start off with my um, first 11 quiz. Should I should mention, actually, we've, we've stuck to league games only, haven't we? No cup games involved. No, no cup games or friendlies, yeah. all just regular league season matches, okay? So, Sai, uh, let's get the impression. Can you top your head? Can you can you remember much about the old nine ten season? I can. This was one where I was living in York, um, getting to a lot of the games. So I'm quite pleased with this one. It's mm-hmm. one of, probably one of my favourite seasons. Actually, I know a lot of people thought foil ball was dull, but I had a lot of a lot of fondness for that team, particularly mm-hmm. Richard Brody just suddenly being unstoppable. How much I remember well, of it will, will now become apparent. As I say, let's put those fond memories to the test side. So um, I like to think I've gone for a gentle 11 quiz. I'm challenging you to name as many as you can of the starting 11 from the opening game of the season on the 8th of August 2009. Oxford 2, York 1. Very late two goals for Oxford gave them all three points in the opening game of the season. So, in front of me on my uh, MacBook here, I've got the 11 listed with as well the five substitutes. So, as Simon says, um, any correct player he gets, he gets a point. And he also has one life uh, to to use for this particular section. So, Sai, just to reinforce that, it's Oxford from the first game of the season, August 2009. I'm going to give you a moment. And when you're ready, if you could start slowly naming off players and I will confirm whether they were in that starting 11. Yeah, I think I was at this game, actually. Were you? Oh, I no. So. Was it 2 on getting drunk did in, you say? Getting drunk in a bowling alley, no, no doubt. But then again, we all do that now. So Yeah, we laughed at the time. At least we got four stands, though. This um, is true. Right. For my first guess, I'm going to guess Michael Ingham. Correct. Right. So you keep in score. I am. Okay. Um, for my second, I will guess Neil Barrett. Neil Barrett, correct. It's an interesting tactic. You're not going by like position on the field, like a first eleven sort of, you know, going down the no, team sheet. I'm just, just kind of. I'm going free. Just vibes. Yeah, yeah he's going I'm, vibes. I'm going pure Jackson Pollock in this approach. Okay. Um, Alex Lawless. Correct. Andrew Farrell. Correct. David McGurk. Is correct. How many am I on now? You've named five 
of the 11 starting players. Michael Rankin? Correct. Hmm. James Meredith? Correct. I believe he was making his debut that day after signing from Telford. I'm doing all right. I'm pleased with this. Mm. Um, ben Perkis? Correct. How many have I got left? You've got three, you've got three left in the starting 11. Right. So I've got one of the strikers. You see, the question is, did Brody start or was, was it Gash and Rankin together? Had Gash signed at that point? Hmm. I'm going to... I'm going to gamble on Brody. Richard Brody did start the match. Did. That leaves two outfield players. So I've got Farrell, Lawless, Barrett. I mean, the classic... Or I guess would have Levi Mackin in there. Levi Mackin is correct. That leaves you of one remaining player. So it's it's the centre-back. And well, I'm just going to guess Pazler then. Son of a gun. He's done it. He's named the starting 11 for Oxford to York 1. And just for completion's sake, on the bench, Gash, Nelthorpe, Smith, O'Hare, Sangare. Ah, you see, I'd forgotten O'Hare even existed, so... My knowledge literally didn't make an appearance, did not make a single appearance that season. Bless him. Um, no, I'm delighted with that. Like I say, it's it's lucky that it was a game I was at and a season that I remember well, particularly well. Um, but yeah, that's a risk you've got to take. So it's a strong start. I'll, um, 11 for start. Oh, I was not expecting 11. I'll I be was, honest, I was I relying was on your terrible memory. A strong start, the perfect start, you could say. So, what we're gonna do now is, um, to not try and give Simon any clues in terms of win, lose, or draw, etc. I'm going to name the three fixtures um, that I have chosen for Simon to guess or trying to remember the results for. And Simon's going to kind of jot them down and he's going to spend a moment and he's going to read them back to me with the scores that he thinks they are. And then what I'll do is I'll read them back one by one to let him know how he got on. Okay, so Sai, you ready? I'm ready. Okay. York versus Stevenage. York versus Luton. Kettering versus York. Do you want me to read them out again? Yeah, please. Okay. Stevenage at home, Lewin at home, Kettering away. Okay, so Stevenage at home. I think, is this when Sangari scored the header? I'm going to say 1-0 to York. Okay. Luton at home. So that was the season we played him in the playoffs. What was the league game? I think we even discussed it on the on the retro section on the first episode. But that doesn't, that doesn't mean I can remember. <clears throat> Let me come back to that one. Kettering away. Mm-hmm. I think uh, Kettering were like, were they really bad that season? Was it that season? Uh, we, that... Mm, maybe. We That's... like thrashed him at home. Hmm. Kettering mm. away. I've got no recollection of of that. We definitely didn't lose to Luton. Um I'm gonna say we drew with Luton one all. And Kettering, I reckon it's just a random one that we lost. Two nil, let's say. 
Okay. So just to confirm your confirm your guesses there, say si, York Stevenage, you've gone one nil to York. Is that correct? Yep. At York Luton, you've gone one one. Correct. And Kettering at York, you've gone two nil to Kettering. That is correct. All right. So if we're going to go through them from the top. York Stevenage, I can confirm, was one one. Uh, Sangari of the last minute equalising header. So you had the right memory. Well. But uh, Stevenage had taken the lead. It was just such a powerful header that I thought it sort of wiped out their goal as well. Yep. But it didn't work that way. Afraid not. No points for knowing who scored the goal. Ah, Afraid not, mate. Um, However, York Luton, you've guessed 1-1. You were close. Luton-York was 1-1 in the league. Right. However, at Boom Crescent, it was a 0-0 draw. (sighs) See, I was going to say that. You've obtained one point for that one. Okay. Not into one this round, but and for Kettering and York, it was a classic foil ball, one nil York. Michael Rankin. Yeah, I should have come for that. I have no memory of that game. And definitely... I was there. I paid sixteen pounds to stand on a slab of concrete at Rockingham Road to, in the freezing cold weather, to watch us just drag ourselves to a one nil victory. And it was worth every penny, was it not? Oh, it... that's when we went second in the league, one point off um, Stevenage. It looked like we were actually going to. Hit them to the, you know, go on this massive run. And then Richard Brody went a bit silly at Epsley the week later and used his elbows on people that he shouldn't have done. Ah, well, yeah. good memories. Yeah. So just to confirm this, Si, after three fixtures in total, you've obtained one extra point. So your score for round one of the um, question York is you've scored 12 points. So that's mm. a great score. I'm very impressed. Yeah, we see I started well and then tailed mm-hmm. off a bit. A bit like Andy Farrell. There we go. Okay, so 12 points. Yeah, I'm pleased with that. Yeah, you should be. Right, let me get your season up. I'm very nervous about this. Uh, uh, if you've gone for one of the, you know... One of the dark um, ages. Exile years, I am not going to be happy, but needs must. Well, I haven't gone for an exile year. I've gone for okay. the 2004-05 season. Oh, God, right. Because <laughs> I thought oh, you'd, you no. would just love to to hark back to that um, right. so we will start off with your starting 11 question sure and that is from the 14th of August 2004 away to Aldershot Town so it's our first game in non-league okay I would like you to name the 11 individuals okay who right who started that day right 11 okay. to beat so uh, thinking about it for the back, I'm worried about the goalkeeper because I think it might be uh, a certain disgraced gentleman. Speaking of a uh, Gravesend slash Ebbsfleet, but we'll come back to that. Um, Pearson, um, Gary Pearson was that his name? Got sent off. That is correct. Yeah, I thought that might be one of the tricky ones, but yeah. No, I, I remember him getting sent off. Um, I'm going to go with. Chris Brass. Yep, correct. Player okay. manager. Lee Nogan. That is incorrect. Oh, no. Not even on the bench. He was not on the bench. Oh, no. So you have lost Ooh. a life. I've lost a life there. I need to be very careful yeah, at this you point You tread now. carefully. You've got two points, but you have mm. you've lost a life. I don't know what was it with him, um, whether he just wasn't included, but yeah, not. Not on the bench, not in the starting lineup. Paul Groves. 
Correct. Oof. Lordy, who was on the fullback positions in the in the grim years? I'll come back to that because I'm going to go with Andy Bishop. Correct. Oh, right. this attention is killing me now. Okay. What are you on now? Four. I'm on. I count four with one with my life gone. Yeah. Um. So, I am going to go for. Dave Merris. Dave Merris was an unused substitute. Oh, okay. So, so have, I'm still, in, still the game. in the game, but you're still on four. So who was left back after? Oh, um, Darren Dunning. He was not left back, but he did start. So that's um, five. Yep. Okay, I'm I'm doing okay here. I'm I'm back in the game. Just need to make sure I keep my head head focused on on the task in hand here i'm going to go with paul robinson up front ah that's cheating you can't have someone who who's there twice um <laughs> which one which one do you mean uh paul d robinson it doesn't actually say which one it was here but but yeah that is correct i don't think the other one had joined yet had he so um, no he had not <clears throat> so that's yeah, six okay getting there who was the left but Oh, I know. Sean Smith. Correct. Yes. Still famously uh, lining up that throw in at Scarborough, even to this day. Um, I think so you're, you're only seven. missing three now. Oh, you're missing. No, you're missing four. It's four here. Right. I'm going to take the risk. Uh, I, I can't think of too many more. So I'm going to take a punt on the goalkeeper and I'm going to presume it's the, the bad man. I'm going to go for Crichton. What, from Red Dwarf? Yes. He'd done a better job, but I'm going to go for uh, Paul Crichton. It was Paul Crichton. Oh, yes. Doing a tardelli around the, around the spare room here. Up to eight. Okay. That leaves three, and I'm I'm not confident on the rest. Now, I went to the following game, the, the, the home game on the Tuesday night, Tamworth, and I watched one of the worst defensive, uh, defensive performances I've ever seen in my entire life, and I can't remember the name of the lad. He looked terrified. I'm fairly certain his name was Chris Clark. Was he in the 11? You want to go with Chris Clark? I think that was his name, yeah. Correct. Oh, nine. Right, well, I'm only half. Now he was, I can't he think was of bad, uh, who he? else would be there. So who was the right back under in that first horror show conference season? I, just, I can't think. Number two. Was it uh, Graham Law? Graham Law was not in the starting lineup. However, he uh, was on the bench. Oh, thank goodness! But apart from that, I can't remember who was uh, who was the right back. So I'm going to struggle there. And I have to be honest; I've kind of forgotten the other positions of players I've guessed here. So this is um, I might have to hasten my own demise, just try and, and get through the rest of the quiz. Um, I've got nine. I've got nine. I can. I can definitely try and make it. Make the points back up to twelve. I am gonna have to take a, a guess on Brian Stewart. Brian Stewart. Correct. No. Yeah. Oh, that is brilliant. Well, no, I definitely don't know who, who else is in the. Uh, I can't remember who else was in this squad. I'm afraid. So the one I'm player, I'm presuming is the right back. 
this isn't the right back, but I just want to move on. I'm going to say a legend that was Adam Arthur. It was not Adam Arthur, but he was on the bench. So you've got another guest. Oh, if you want to use it. <laughs> Lev Yeltsin. He was also on the bench. Oh, I, I, I think you've basically in the entire bench. Um, I don't know any right backs from 2004. Oh, God. And the best bit is there's some nerd who's worse than me shouting into his uh, into his cornflakes right now saying uh, who this right back is. Oh, God. Apologies to anyone who is a nerd eating cornflakes at the time. I'm listening. <laughs> Other serials are available. I am going to say, I don't think he was at the club at this point, but Richard Hope. Uh, there was no hope, and there is no <laughs> hope of you making 11 there. So, oh well. But well done. Yeah, 10. I mean, if we hadn't had that system where you, you're you allowed one life, you would have been out on what, two? So, mm. you've done pretty well there to, uh, to bring it back yeah. to 10. Can, so I, the, can I ask who I missed then? You have missed. Well, that season, we were going snooker loopy for Steve Davis in defence. Steve Davis. Yeah. So he was right back then. It I think been, maybe, I think maybe Brass was right back. That's the only oh, way he I was. can make of sense course he was. of this lineup. Of course he was. Because um, he sort of played all over the place that season, didn't he? But yeah, yeah I Mentally can't, and physically. <laughs> can't see who else would have would have been right back. Did I, get, did I get the whole bench? Yeah, apart from the subkeeper. Porter? Yeah, that was Porter. So right. yeah, um, yeah, I thought I'd picked quite a tough one there. No, um, that, that was that, that was bringing back some some horrific memories. So thank you very much for that. <laughs> That's quite all right. Um, right. So okay. in terms, so you're on ten points. Uh, you only need this. to get you only need to get one result bang on to to beat my overall total of twelve. Mm-hmm. So the games you are going to be asked about mm-hmm. is home game. York City versus Ebb's Fleet United or Gravesend and North Fleet as they were then. Yeah. All right. Uh, away game, which is Exeter City versus what? York City. Exeter? Yep. Were we in the same division as them in 2004-05? I don't remember that. Well, that bodes well for that one. Um, and <laughs> the final one is... York versus Crawley Town. At home? At home. So just to recap those ones. So York versus Ebbsfleet, Gravesend and Northfleet, Exeter versus York, and York versus Crawley Town. I have certain memories of that season, um, but none of these spring to mind. I was more committed to home games the season after, in 05-06. So go through them. Gravesend, obviously we had the horrific 4 away defeat, but that's not what you've asked me. So for the home game, I'm going to go for a 1-0 win. Okay. For Exeter, I'm going to go for a 0-0 draw. And for Crawley, I'm going to go for a 2-1 win. Okay. So let's go through them in turn. So so York v. Ebbsfleet, this was in April, so it was sort of late on in the season. That was a nil-nil mm-hmm. draw. Oh, so you predicted one-nil victory. That was nil-nil draw. Mm-hmm. Um, Exeter away, that was in February. Right. Um, so I've confusingly put them in, in the wrong order as well. Just to yeah, it works. Add an extra layer of difficulty. Um, 
that was you predicted nil nil. That one mm-hmm. actually was a one nil victory. So, oh really? Yeah. Away win. Dave Merris apparently scored oh, wow. the goal. And the last one, Crawley Town. What did you say for that one? Two one win. I two one win. We did win it. <gasps> they they did score one goal. <gasps> we did score two goals, <gasps> but then we scored another one. So three one. Oh. <laughs> so you get a point for that one. Um, so wow. That wow. one. Let me check the score. Is in that one. Lee Grant. Lee Grant. Oh my word! The Let's other them. the other Paul Robinson. And Andy Bishop. So, yeah. Oh, wow. I, yeah, I, I guess I maybe went quite difficult with those ones. No, um, no, that's the whole, that's the name of the game. But, um, so yeah, scores as things stand. Um, I'm on 12, you're on 11. So that's, that's pretty tight affair. Um, it's very close, isn't it? It's very, very close. Yeah. But that's, yeah. that's only the first round. We go again um, for round two, don't we? Do we? Uh, yes, it's very much round one. We'll be doing this again, I think, um, in a few stage, weeks' time. Yeah, yeah, we will. We'll revisit this um, at an appropriate time. Let Let us know at, at home if if you guys uh, took part. You know, you played along with this. Uh, if you managed to score any better than we got than we did in the studio here, then uh, we would appreciate uh, hearing back from you. That was very enjoyable, Sai. I'm actually surprised how much um, I remember from the old four or five season. God help me. <laughs> I don't know whether it's more impressive that you remember stuff from almost 20 years ago or that you remember stuff from a time when City were horrifically bad um, <laughs> but yeah yeah that was that was good fun that that little segment so yeah I guess that brings us to the end of this week's Same Old City mm-hmm. thanks as always for your support for your comments and so on for your interactions much appreciated um, was there anything you wanted to, to say in particular this week, man? No, just as usual, guys, uh, thank you for the interactions. If you want to uh, give us some um, some love and some support on social media, that's always appreciated. We are at Same Old City Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. And also, um, we finally got round to adding the podcast to Apple Podcasts. So if you could be so inclined to leave a positive review for us there, um, that would go a long way to um, you know helping us show out, helping us get uh, more listeners etc etc so if you could do that that's greatly appreciated yeah it does make a big difference especially when we're just starting out you know having any retweets any positive reviews obviously york city fans is a fairly niche audience but we want to try and make sure we can um, reach as much of that niche as possible who who might be interested to two books wittering on about a uh, nil nil draw against gravesend from 18 years ago uh, for some reason um <laughs> But yeah, we um we I, look forward. I would I would take nil nil for the Saturday right now. Oh yeah, yeah. Bite your hand off. A clean sheet, my word. <laughs> yeah, it's probably not going to be a repeat of the um that opening day two on win. I've got fond memories oh. of from uh, twenty eleven twelve with Jason Walker. Absolutely, a there, great that day header. that was. We shall see. Mm-hmm. Um, but until next time, as always, thanks very much for listening, and keep the faith, guys.